0: Tune in today to listen to an intense and deep conversation with one of my soul sister entrepreneurs, Maria Abramovich, who is a beautiful healer and brings her own special kind of magic into the world. Hello, and welcome to those late night visitors. I'm your host, Stephanie Marie, a psychic medium and spiritual business mentor. Having been a medium since I was a child, I am wildly passionate about mediumship, spirituality, intuition, the paranormal, and everything in between. This podcast is going to blow your mind with all things psychic and witchy. And if you're not a believer yet, I promise you that will change. I'm so glad you're here. Now let's get to it. Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of Those Late Night Visitors. Today, I have the pleasure of having on the show a soul sister of mine, Maria Abranovich, that I have been in containers with, and we have gotten to know in person and really experience each other live. So I am going to let her introduce herself. Maria? Hello, everyone. Stephanie, thank you so much for
1: having me here yeah it was so great to meet you in person actually it's not something that we get a lot in this community you know so that feels really special i'm a psychic healer and intuitive a mentor for healers my background my kind of trade is music psychotherapy i've been in the healing space for a long time but like so many i've heard alternative forms of healing on my own healing journey was always intuitive but Grew up in a secular household, so it wasn't something that I at all connected with. Denied and then had kind of an awakening in my early 20s that I did not understand until I discovered spirituality and alternative healing. And very quickly began to learn but also develop my own modality and work with people, kind of one-off first friends and family, and then people who were referred to me until probably 2018 or 2019, which was when I started really thinking, wow, I could maybe do this. Maybe I should focus on it, not just have it be a hobby and like a thing that I help other people with, you know, and kind of did part-time late 2020, really committed to it in 2021. And now, I mentor other healers and developing their gifts and their own modalities and do healings and readings for folks and have an intuitive development program, developing a healing program. And I love it. I love this work. And of course, mediumship kind of fell into the mix, started working more with it. First started channeling about 2015, but started working with people who had passed on in 2017 soon after my father passed believe it or not and really ramped up while i was pregnant really really did with my first child so yeah it's just something that falls into the work that i do people's guides and past loved ones come up during readings they are part of their spirit team and i love it it's just the connecting with the people and the spirits and in one's life it's so empowering it's so powerful It's so healing for people to be able to connect with either spirits in their space
0: or past loved ones. Yeah, definitely a big part of the work. So you mentioned that you had a spiritual awakening of sorts. So share, of course, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, because I know these adventures can be pretty personal at times, but I guess my real question is, how did you know that you were intuitive? Like, what was that like in your body? What kind of feelings or sensations were you getting that you were like, oh my goodness, I have these gifts?
1: Sure. Of course. I mean, it obviously all started in childhood when I was speaking to other entities and connecting with them, but everyone was just like, Maria has a million invisible friends, you know, and it was fine. Growing up was always told that I was very intuitive, that I was healing, that I was supportive. The nature of my upbringing was such that like so many of us were helping and supporting other adults and children around us. So I always knew that I knew things about people. And the closest thing I could connect to that, if we're using kind of our vernacular, would be a clear cognition, you know, like a sense of knowing. And Even though I could sense people's feelings too, I wasn't quite aware of it. It was more that when I said things, I knew it was truth. And I had that as a young person and a child always. And then it wasn't until my late teens that I started to experience like horrible anxiety and no one could figure out what was wrong with me, you know? And like so many people went on medication. And again, I've worked in the mental health space for a long time and in kind of Western medical spaces and medication is necessary for people in different times in their lives. And this is by no means like, don't take medication or medication is bad. I want to preface all of this by saying that we all have to take care of ourselves the way we need to take care of ourselves. Ultimately, it just started to get more and more intense and between my own kind of alcohol and drug use and abuse and, and then kind of rehabbing from that and still not being able to resolve what was being diagnosed as kind of schizoaffective or schizophrenia. But no one could understand it because they said, you're totally lucid. You don't believe it. And you're not having paranoid thoughts and the conversations that are coming up in the imagery. It's not negative, like usually that pressured speech and dialogue when we're talking about schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, it's very negative and it's very damaging. And I wasn't getting any of that. It was like pretty intense visuals, nothing negative. It felt like very supportive. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't figure it out. And then eventually I said, I'm, none of this has worked for me. It's been like six years and the Western medical model has not helped me. And so I started, I just basically, I made a decision and I said, I'm done. And from that point onward, the universe began to conspire with me in bringing people and ideas into my life. I was in my mid twenties and healing my body and healing my mind and discovering spirituality and working with energy. And the people that I met were like, whoa, you know, you're really... You've got something here, and I was like what, but then I just started to continue to play with it and through kind of my own rebellious nature and. Propensity to take risks right (laughs) I just tested things, you know? And and again, I come from, I studied biology and chemistry in undergrad and music therapy, and I got my undergrad and and master's in music therapy as well. I've done research in labs since I was in high school and then was a teacher's assistant in chemistry labs in in college and stuff. So I've always had this kind of researcher's mind. So the idea of like doing observation, collecting data, testing it, retesting it, you know, and then making the different kinds of correlation as a result. It's always been in my nature to do that. So I started doing that with my energy work and I developed a methodology. I developed a practice. And I think the first thing was that knowing that knowing that there was this truth in me and it's not just the truth of the mind. There's like a feeling associated to saying a truth and a feeling associated to saying something that doesn't feel true, you know, and. That was the first thing I discovered. And then when I started to really focus on synchronicities and realizing that there was something playing out here, that it's not that I had control over it all, but I was participating. And when I was intentional about my participation, I could see the signs and and receive the things that I was calling in. And I think that level of focus and intentionality and that knowing are kind of the first steps in my acknowledgement of, oh, wait, this is real, you know, I'm not just making this up. This isn't just my imagination, you know, and I do believe that my mental health practitioners and the doctors I was working with were also reflecting in me that what I was seeing was real and not, not typical was another way of the universe kind of conspiring with me. And I and again, this isn't the case for everyone who has kind of visual hallucinations or people who have pathology. And so I had to kind of dance that line and make sure that I was taken care of no matter what. And so I do want to state that for anyone who's listening, I'm not I don't want to diminish the struggle that many people go through and who have chemical imbalances, which is real, that And I do wanna say this to this group too, just because that exists, doesn't mean the other thing doesn't exist, that it it can be that you're intuitive, that you're not crazy, right? That you don't have pathology. It can in fact be that you are very, very intuitive. It's not an either or, and you're not hurting anyone by exploring and, deciding that this is also true for you. It could be fully true or also true, right? If you do struggle with anything mental health wise. So I know so many people that can be the case for them, balancing kind of, I don't wanna generate harm. I wanna make sure I'm okay. Is it okay to say that this is all true if there are people who are hallucinating, you know? (laughs) Am I harming anyone? And the reality is no you are not, you don't discredit other people's circumstances because your circumstances are different.
0: Right. And I mean, I know not myself personally, but some of my clients and other people in my life, the tapping into the intuition has helped with their anxiety because they've learned how to connect and how to quiet that ego. So in that sense, it's kind of brought them to neutral a little better. You know, and strategies and in that way, but again, like you're saying, mental health there's definitely real mental health issues that clinicians and doctors are needed for, so yeah. we're not discrediting that by any means. However, they can go together, they can go together, they can
1: absolutely go together. And I'm from in a community and I have lots of friends, and most of The people around me are academics and people in the mental health space. And I can tell you that they all know what I do. No, Mm -hmm. one's confused about that and no one feels that I'm endangering anyone or harming anyone because everything that I teach and help with, there's always a healing component. So there's an alternative healing component and a building of the intuition to support any kind of mental health need, right? in making your life the most beautiful life that you can have. Even in spaces that aren't necessarily spiritual, people can understand the benefits of living intuitively and being that connected to yourself and eliminating thoughts and patterns that don't serve you by alternative means.
0: Right. And even in the medical world and the medical community of like Western medicine, not Eastern, not holistic, Viki is now starting to really be studied and analyzed to bring into the Western oh, yeah. culture, which uh, I think is fabulous.
1: Yeah. I did my clinical year at Mount Sinai Medical mm-hmm. Hospital in, in New York City. And one of the locations where I worked at, they didn't have it anymore, but for years they had Reiki practitioners on the words, like on the floors, working with people. And of course it's all consensual. You go in and if someone doesn't want it, they don't have to have it, but they had Reiki in the hospital, you know, and it's definitely more broadly understood. Obviously mindfulness is something that's used a lot as a music therapist. It's Western medical practice, right. And in the Western medical tradition, however you know we're using frequency to help people heal we're working on the subconscious I mean I'm almost done with my postgraduate specialization in a form of music therapy based in somatic and union psychoanalysis and I mean union psychoanalysis is like the collective unconscious and you know all the different kind of avatars and myth and spirit it's so connected to that so clear. And it's so effective. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. so effective. Art based therapies are so effective because you're going into pre verbal and pre verbal memories, and doing somatic work in the body. And there's an infinite way of doing that. So whether you're kind of teaching yourself to tap into that, or you're teaching yourself to tap into that for somebody else, it's still doing the work, you know, it's just a different modality. And it's still (laughs) really, really valuable.
0: So now when you're with your clients, you said you were, you were starting a program. I guess for somebody that's looking to get into healing or using different modalities or learning how to do it for others, and they're not really into, let's say getting Reiki attuned or anything like that. Can you give them some direction aside from working with you? Yeah. <laughs> like, where can they start?
1: So the most important thing, I think when it comes to this is my personal practice and what's worked for me and my clients is neutrality. You have got to develop neutrality in your body and know what that feels like so that you can learn to distinguish what's yours and what's not. We are all channels. All of us are channels and we're all picking up information. That is not just your subconscious echoing things into your brain, right? And we know that logically. You hear a song on the radio and you can hear it in your head later. Like you do. You pick things up and your subconscious just repeat it to you, right? So when you have this neutral space in your body that you feed, you can tap into it whenever you want. And that is kind of the feeling and it doesn't feel like empty, but there's a lot of space there and you're definitely emotionally neutral. It's not the same when you are reading for someone and you feel something that they feel or you're getting a message and you're, you're sharing it with them. It's not the same as you would feel when you're getting it for yourself. It's not. And creating that space, that neutral space is what allows you to differentiate. And from there, you can develop more nuance and kind of acuity for the different subtle senses. So you picking up messages more clearly and that definition will generate an inner confidence in you because you'll be able to say, oh yes, this is mine. Oh no, this is definitely yours. Yeah. That generates confidence. I love, there's a quote by Minnie Kaling in one of the books that she wrote And People. She's like, people ask me all the time, why, you know, why I'm so confident? And she's like, I work really hard. So like, I'm pretty confident in myself, like I actually apply myself. It's hard to not feel confident when I've taken all the steps required to complete the task. You're just like, of course, that's going to happen. So when you generate that neutrality and you do the practice of this is mine, this is not, this is mine, this is not, then you're basically priming yourself to say, to know and believe that I know when it's mine and I know when it's not. And that makes you feel very confident when you're working with clients. And it makes in your, then you're willing to do more work and the work that you're doing is high, a ca- higher caliber. So I say, start with what does neutrality feel like to me? Where can I feel it in my body? Right. And of course, mindfulness and meditation help with that enormously. I don't think it's an accident that it's become bigger and bigger. And we're in this commune kind of collective awakening. And the first thing that we're working on more collectively is <laughs> neutrality.
0: I really like how you described that because, you know, the words that I use is getting out of the ego, right. Or quieting the ego. And it is the same idea. It's, it's getting, like you said, creating the space, getting back into your body. And I feel like it, especially after the pandemic, because we were forced to feel because we had to be home (laughs) I think that's why so many people are coming into this new, either new age, spirituality, whatever you want to call it. I kind of like calling it just coming home. Mm, I love that. Yeah. You know, but the collective is really opening to what we are capable of doing, which is amazing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful.
1: And, and, you know, it's that same neutrality that when you're channeling and you're connecting to a past loved one or you're connecting to a spirit, like even this past weekend, I was at my friend's house and we're doing kind of a a purge and she is not even remotely spiritual. She is very, very kind of logical 3D. And it intrigues her you know like when we were mm-hmm. kids she was like wicked and liked tarot yeah. but she's very cerebral very very cerebral. i mean we were all witchy kids and she's a childhood friend and so we're clearing things out and like i can't help it it's just my energy and so her husband and, and her mother-in-law are like i mean i don't know what you did but we're all like in it and in the evenings they were going down to the garage and like i'm taking stuff out and I can feel her mom who is like a mom to me and the lights are starting to blink and flash and I'm like, you know and I'm and and it all but it all starts I can connect to her because I can get to that neutral place mm-hmm. and I can hear her speaking to me and telling me like, thank you and what we should go to next and mm-hmm. she needs to look at this. this is where I want her to put things and so it's like. And it's that same neutrality that allows that to come in. It's, it's, it's like the basis, the foundation of that connection, whether you want to practice your mediumship or your like healing gifts or your reading gifts, it all starts there. You know, it all starts there, that neutrality, and then heightening your senses, your subtle senses. And then that's it. It's far simpler than we make it sound sometimes, or, you know, sometimes it can be hard to find the language, yeah, to communicate what you're feeling, but like Mindy Kaling says, when you practice it, it starts to get much easier, right? You said, I have a term. I say, I call it coming home. I have terms. It's called
0: neutrality. You start to develop it. We each bring our own flavor to it too, which is because of our experiences this lifetime, past lifetimes and how many lifetimes before. Right. And, you know, it's just, I love having these conversations with people that are in it because, you know, I was that weird kid that was the dreamer. She was too creative, you know, and I remember setting up this, the stuffed animals around the spare room and reading books to them. But at the same time, I would see ghosts, Amongst the stuffed animals. And yeah. I didn't say anything because it was just I was playing and that was it. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, as we become teenagers and everything else, like we shift that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you are, you begin to develop the part of your brain that allows you to abstract. And it's not all just concrete thinking. Now you're abstracting and it's like an existential crisis you begin to have. And so what do we do when we're in existential crisis? We try to hold on to everything that's familiar. So Mm -hmm. you begin to look outside of you and you're like, well, they're doing that. That's cool. I'm going to do that. And there is this sense of self-abandonment in that moment to expand. You're taking a risk and your brain is built to take risks. And that's why we do it. But you don't have that I like security and identity that you have as a child where you're like, you don't need to really explain yourself and it doesn't really, you know, matter because your perspective is like the only one that exists. And you just assume that everyone else is literally seeing the world through your eyes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Why would I need to explain anything outside of this? And I love that term coming home because that's exactly what it is. You know, you have the existential crisis in your young adulthood at some point, and then you're like trying to just, fit in and do the things you have to do. And then it, and then literally at some point you start to come home.
0: Yeah. But now you mentioned something earlier and this, I've actually haven't had a guest be able to speak to this yet. So would you do the honor and explain how pregnancy really opened you up because I think this is something that so many of my listeners can relate to, but I just can't personally speak to it, not having gone through it.
1: Yeah, sure. So I think there's a couple of things. First of all, my whole life, I knew I would be a mom, like my entire life. I've predicted every major thing in my life. I knew when I was a child, and I couldn't explain it, but I would tell it to people, like adults in my life, and they'd be like, okay, weirdo. Uh, I knew I would have be a mom, and I knew I'd have a boy first. Like, I'm going to have a son first, and my mom would be like, okay, okay weird. You know, I was seven, and I, I went up to her, and I was like, I'm going to move to New York and become a therapist. And she was like, okay, and that's, you know, literally what I did. You know, I was 11, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get married. I'll be married for a very little amount of time, and I'm going to get divorced. My family was like, what is wrong with this child? That's literally what happened. <laughs> I knew motherhood was going to be a portal. Mm-hmm. I always knew that and and that did happen for me. And so I don't want to say it's going to happen to everyone, but that it was a, a rite of passage in my spiritual journey. It's also a time to soften if like you are at all interested in wellness. You understand hormonally what's happening. And of course our world is not built to support pregnant people. <laughs> I'm like, just keep going to work, just mm-hmm. do everything you were doing already. I did not do that. I allowed myself to soften and I set boundaries in ways I had never set before. And I think I was so earthbound because I, much like you, don't have any earth in my chart. <laughs> so it was like the earthiest I had ever been. And then I was like, oh my God boundary, boundary, boundaries, like everywhere. It was so easy. I was like, no, 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 You know? And that allowed for so much space and so much energy to come back to me. It was like, bye, Swiss cheese aura. Hello, boundary, bitch, Maria, you know, like <laughs> it was, and that it was like, suddenly my focus was better. I was so much more decisive than I had ever been and I felt so connected to everything, like to life. And so I was just very intuitive and my focus and my attention, it was like I was being drawn to different practices and things that were helping me along my path. But a big part of it was the groundedness and the boundary mm-hmm. because once my energy was mine again it was like oh this is who i am oh and then the choices i was making were just authentic all the time and i was on a spiritual path i can't avoid it it's happening so my decisions and i let myself be led by my intuition it was like i was finally like oh i've been so distracted by all this external stimuli i haven't been making decisions intuitively the way that i want to pregnancy it was like never again i'm not abandoning myself ever again and so i just started everything was intuitive everything it was like what i ate where i went who i was with what i read everything and that was the first time i had solely solely chosen my intuition there was a lot of courage and the boundaries really helped with that like no one could have talked me out of a decision. I mean, I was like, this is my truth. This is what I'm doing. And while again, I had done that previously, it hadn't been with the same. It hadn't been as consistent. You know, I was still wanting to validate something outside of me or please something outside of me. I still wanted to belong maybe in some other way. And pregnancy was like, no, you, you belong, you belong right here. That is what I think helped open the channel. Because again, the channel was already there. I think for some women, what can happen and and some people is that because you're creating life and there's so much change in the body, it awakens the intuition because of the activation of the sacral. I do believe that that happens for some people. For me, it was more getting my energy back.
0: Which I love that. Right. And it helped you to ground. It helped you to set these boundaries. It helped you to just grow into who not only you were meant to be in terms of a mother, but who you were meant to be
1: overall. Yeah. Person, person entirely. And I can tell you, I have the most angelic alien children. (laughs) It's so funny because my son is so psychic and so, and that pregnancy was even more, you know, with my daughter it was when i really committed to doing the work and i was like let's go the let's student that's totally her personality she's a boss beware i do not worry about her like, that though. Like, that's amazing but my son is like so intuitive and feeling and what's amazing is that he picked me and i picked him and we would talk while i was pregnant i was like i really learned to connect with him and then with my second pregnancy my daughter named herself you know like it made it it was like yeah this is just like this is what it is you know what i mean but now i get to help my son and i get to help my daughter like i am so i know what they're going through and now i'm like no no this is normal this right. is okay and i'm going to give you all the tools that i can for you to set the boundaries that you need and to use your gifts how incredible is that it's amazing yeah
0: that just <laughs> Like my heart chakra is like, ah, (laughs) but all right. I do like to close up the episodes with your all-time favorite ghost experience. I'm going to
1: choose one, my favorite ghost experience. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. So, and it's just, I will discuss a little bit of violence and some harm of children like I'm just going to mention it I'm not going to explain it in any graphic detail I I just want to preface that so trigger warning okay it started when I was pregnant with my son and I could feel and like see and sense little children around me and at first it freaked me out right because I was like. I don't know it just freaked me out a little bit i wasn't super comfortable at that point working with spirits yet but i did figure out how to be more comfortable and then once my son was born they were around me all the time it was a little girl and a little boy and they would literally sit next to the rocking chair lean on my calves they were obsessed with my son like loved him and so i really started to not just like, let them be there. Cause at first I was like, okay, they're not going to hurt me. Nothing's going to happen. I'm just going to allow them to be here. But then I got curious about them. And I was like, I knew she was a little girl and a little, and I, like a toddler, a really young little boy. And I would tell my ex-husband, I was like, I, you know, she's six and he's definitely two. And I think they are our neighbors. I think they were our neighbors. So, I don't know if you're from the New York metropolitan area, like 2012, there was a nanny that murdered two children. And that was in the building I lived in.
0: I do remember this. Yeah. I do remember it being on the news because 2012, yeah. I was already in my twenties, almost thirties. So yeah. I do and remember
1: this. That was the building that we lived in. And so when they first started coming, I hadn't connected it because I wasn't living there at that point, but then again, I got like an intuition hit from them and I was, and I looked it up and I realized, oh my God, these are the kids from I'm, I'm living in that building. Mm -hmm. I remembered the news from that time. And I was like two kids, nanny, whatever. And I looked it up and lo and behold, it was in the building I was living Mm -hmm. in. And so I told my, my husband at the time oh my gosh, you know how I keep telling you that there's two little kids. When he was like, oh yeah, I never told you that, that. That was from this building. I was
0: like, no, you didn't tell me that.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't have moved in here. No. Now I know who they are. And the craziest part is that the kids were named Lucia. That's my sister's name. And Leo, and that's my son's name. I named my son. He didn't have a name for five days. Like we, It was not... And like it came through and his name was so little and he was two and she was six, like the ages were right. And from that point onward, they would like hang around and they were around him. And it was so lovely because it's like, they got to feel at home. You know, it was like one of the first, and of course, I'm just getting like full body chills, it was the first time I had really engaged with spirit and, and ghosts in that way uh-huh. and. Learn to feel a lot of safety, which I think is really important when you do, when you start to do mediumship work. It's like the first thing, it's like the witch wound. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't be afraid. You got to feel like it's safe. It's okay.
0: Wow. That's a good one. I know, I know. know. That is. A really good one. So we are gonna end there, but before we get off, I do want you to share how people can work with you or be in contact with you in case they want to learn more or just be in your magic and what you do. Sure. I would love that. My Instagram
1: handle is Maria, the letter X Abramovich, all one word. And I'm Maria Abramovich on Facebook. And you know, you can friend me, follow me. I also have a TikTok, Maria X Abramovich. And my work, I do one-on-one readings and one-on-one healings using my own modalities. And I also have mentorships. I work with healers and intuitives on a one-on-one basis and also do kind of healing and manifestation on a one-on-one basis. Though I always, I like to laugh because most of my like healing manifestation clients are like muggles, you know, like lawyers and business people. They're like, hey, Maria, can you help me? but I do kind of longer containers that are healing and in readings related as well as the one-on-one. And then one-on-one supervision is what I like to call it more with my healing clients who are healers and intuitives, as well as psychic activation work and healing work so that they can amplify their gifts and develop a modality and a practice that's ethical and effective, right? And I have a program, it's called Depth Divination. It's an intuitive development program. It's for you if you want to develop your intuition, if you're already intuitive and you want to develop it even more, access new clear abilities. This is one of my specialties is activating new clear abilities in people. And yeah, I have a private Facebook group that's free and I do readings and healings in there too. So please come join. I would love to work with any and all of you.
0: Yeah. And I'll put all those links that Maria mentioned in the show notes for you guys. So any questions, that's where you can find them. But Maria, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your magic with us.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure.